0: Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on Hi FM, where we've got all the news, the latest views, the gadgets and the gizmos, you name it, we have it right here. And sometimes even first on Hi FM with all the questions you want to ask, all the answers that I try to provide, a little bit of information about what's happening in the world of tech and how it's going to. Affect you going forward? Well, it's been a crazy interesting week. I mean, what can I say? uh, MTN are having fun, ICASA are dropping bombshells, our president um, is insisting that data is going to fall. So, from a tech point of view, it's actually been an incredibly interesting and challenging week for lots of people. Well, the good news is, MTN, we talked about that last week. basically got mugged by the Nigerian government for around about 10 billion US dollars, which is a significant chunk, in fact, more than their profits for the last couple of years. But to to sum it all up, basically, the Nigerian central bank said that over the last 10 years or so, MTN had remitted eight and a half billion US dollars without permission out of the country and they must return it forthwith and they would obviously give them the money back in Naira which uh, MTN quite honestly didn't want to use because why would you Um, and they've backed down which is really interesting all of a sudden they're speaking nicely they've reduced the fine to the one bank that apparently helped in the whole scheme uh, and uh, it seems that MTN are Sort of settling that whole matter. And the other matter, which is a $2 billion ran, two billion fine for duties for goods imported for their network, etc., etc., also issued by the um, head police chief, which makes no sense. You'd assume taxes would be handled by... The revenue services. Anyway, that also seems to have gone down and uh, they seem to be back on track. But the same week that they got the good news, they dropped a little bit of bad news on all of us. If you're an MTN subscriber and you use Twitter, which tons of people do do, um, from the 25th of this month, there will no longer be free Twitter. MTN reckoned or worked out that it cost them $1.25 or 1.75 trillion megabits of data so a huge huge amount of data was being used on the free um, twitter thing and in fact they actually caught a couple of guys taking full advantage some some real geeks and techies out there figured out a way to use the trick the twitter exception to stream all sorts of other data through their mobile phones so mtn have unfortunately stopped that not it There's been a huge backlash, understandably, on social media, but there's not much anyone can do about it. There are no other options out there. MTN were the only ones doing any form of free social media. All the other networks are offering social media packages, which MTN are doing now. But the, the benefit really is, for you and me, the average guy who uses Twitter, even uses Twitter heavily, even if you watch a lot of videos, the amount of data Twitter uses is not huge at all. Facebook, on the other hand, with all its high-end videos and, and rich media, can actually use a ton of data. So if your data has been disappearing and all you've been doing is scrolling through your Facebook feed, just beware that if you're on an LTE connection, which is high speed and you've got a fairly a high-resolution phone, any decent phone, current modern phone, you'll find that what um, Facebook does, it automatically streams at the highest possible resolution available. And that means more data. And the worst thing that it does, which you can now turn off, well, you could always turn off in the sort of settings section, which is now a lot easier, is that as you scroll through your your timeline, the the videos would autoplay. And in order to do that, they were downloading in the background while you were scrolling. So even though you had no intention of watching any of those videos, they were busy being preloaded on your phone using your data for when you get to them down your stream. And that can, you know, a couple of minutes of video, couple of megs of data, before you know it, all get used up and it can cost you a whole lot of money. But on the plus side, we are getting some interesting news from ICASA. The president, in his address to reignite our economy, definitely said that... Um, oh, unfortunately, I don't seem to be connected to the Internet here, so I'm going to have to wing it for the moment. But essentially, he said that he is going to release all the required high-demand spectrum to the various uh, networks and um, make it possible for them to roll out advanced data services going forward. Now, ICASA... Uh, on two levels have been involved in that. The first level was, back in 2016, they um, issued a a notice to all the networks to apply for and, and auction all the high demand spectrum that they needed, and they all did so. And in fact, the government then took ICASA to court to stop them from getting the spectrum auctioned out to the various networks. At the same time, the whole broadband policy documents started coming out, which created enormous confusion and problems and trouble and you name it, uh, whatever the case may be, um, f- with with regard to what they call the WOAN. Now, the WOAN was a network where all spectrum was supposed to go, and spectrums the radio frequencies we use to make our phones work and transmit data and transmit calls, transmit video, whatever it is, um, and... What they they said was all that spectrum had to go to a, to a central company, which would be in, which would be set up by the net, by all the various players, and would be managed by all the various players: MTN, Vodacom, Telcom, you name it, Celsi. C, and it would then offer data services on a wholesale basis to everybody, which sounds like all really good, except for one thing: it has not worked anywhere else in the world. Uh, and it's really been an incredible failure. And in many places like Mexico have tried it; it just creates a monopoly. Going back to the days of telcom, well, that whole story has been unwound a little. It appears now that ICASA have, with, uh, the government have withdrawn their court case against ICASA and there's a new settlement agreement coming in. And ICASA will be licensing spectrum to the networks in uh, a very, very shortly obviously going through a whole government process that's going to take a little bit of time. But essentially, they're going to be a licensing spectrum to the various networks and allowing them to um, effectively start rolling out more advanced 4G services, rolling out 5G services, which are coming in the next couple of years, and, and get the spectrum they need. Unfortunately, what the government has not done, it's not backed off its whole woe issue. They definitely want to continue with this central network. But I believe that in the end, it's going to be dead in the water. There is no way that MTN, Vodacom, Celsi and even Telcom, who's part of the government for that matter, are going to spend the enormous amounts of money. And we're talking about absolutely unbelievable amounts of money to set up a 4G or 5G network across the country with the sort of coverage that the current networks have and then share that network amongst themselves is going to cost, if not uh, 100 billion rand, probably even more than that. And there's absolutely no business case for that. The networks have networks that work. Um, Why in heaven's name would the networks want to go and replicate what they already have in order to share it with themselves. So that's a discussion for another day. But at the same time, what ICASA has done has released their final determinations on the um, call termination. Now, call termination is what MTN pays Vodacom for getting a call terminated on their network. So I make a call from MTN to a Vodacom subscriber. Vodacom charges MTN X amount of money per call in order simply to receive and redirect the call to their subscribers. It sounds like a crazy situation, but it's something that's actually been a feature of the mobile networks since day dot. And in the in the, in the original days, um, it was a way to share revenues between the big networks and the small networks. So a tiny little network like Cell C obviously, um, you know, Got a lot of calls from Vodacom because they were the guys, and it gave them a little bit of money to do so. Well, what ECASA has done uh, is reduce that they 've been reducing it over the last couple of years it started off at one rand twenty per call, but um, they 've reduced that considerably over the last little years and they 've now launched their latest um, call charges, which should actually bring costs down even further. And on that note, I see I'm being waved at. We have to take a short break. I'll be back with a little bit more news and interesting views straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. And just to quickly finalize the whole story around the call charges, this doesn't affect data, but it's definitely or rather should affect call charges. So the pricing of calls should change, so these are the new regulations um, with operators that have more than a twenty percent share of total minutes terminated in the wholesale voice, voice market, in other words, based on the number of, of voice calls that they make, um, the the new the new uh, call termination fee will be $0.09 from October 2018 to September 2019, and that will drop to $0.07 from then on and $0.06 from 2020. And if it's a mobile call, it will be $0.12 from October 2018, $0.10 from October 2019, and $0.09 from October 2020 onwards. And if you've got um, less of a share, so they have asymmetric uh, call termination, they'll get just a couple of cents more. I'm not going into all that. So the small guys like Celsi and Telcom will get paid a little bit more by Vodacom and MTN for these various things. And considering as I said, these call termination rates started off at one Rand twenty-nine cents per call. Um, you can understand why you're paying three Rand a call. Now we're talking about between seven and nine and and eleven cents. A call depending on who you are and when you are and it'll e- even keep going down and my my opinion really it's a zero sum game yes the smaller guys do get a lot more calls from the others and should get a little bit of assistance from that but the big guys between MTN and Vodacom it's they haven't quite got 50-50 market share but essentially what they pay and what they receive comes out at not significant money and it removes a major distortion from the market so expect voice calls to drop Considerably, and expect that to happen pretty much from next month. Uh, We should start seeing deals and voice calls getting a little cheaper. On the same token, voice calls themselves, the number of voice calls has been plateauing and even falling over the last little while. People are WhatsApping, using WhatsApp Voice, using Skype, using a whole lot of other systems to talk over data rather than to make a traditional voice call. So let's watch that space, but it's good news. Prices should come down over the next little while. And on the data front, there's even been more news. There is a brand new cable called the SACS cable. Um, And now when I talk about cables, I'm talking about undersea cables linking continents. We all know about fiber to the home and all the rest, but fiber to the home couldn't exist without all this massive data that comes from the various uh, networks globally. Now, up to now, South Africa has been well served by tons and tons of cables that link South Africa up the coast, east and west coast of Africa, all the way to India, to the Middle East, to Europe, to Portugal, and all the way into the sort of international grid where the cables all span the Northern Hemisphere. If you look at a map, the Northern Hemisphere has umpteen cables. You can, It's like a mass of cables between North America, Europe Asia, Africa, and the sort of southern hemisphere countries have far, far, far less. And obviously, the more the cables, the less the cost to you and I for data because there's competition, there's massive capacity, and the price will fall. Right up to now, there's absolutely been no east-west cable between the Americas and Africa, none whatsoever. Everything went through uh, Portugal, went through um, the East and there 's two consequences from that: the first one is something they call ping. so when you send a message from your phone, that message takes x amount of time to get to the servers in Europe, from Europe. it then goes to America. So if you want something from an American website, it could take anything up to three four hundred milliseconds that 's almost half a second to get the information there and back. Now, the path from South Africa to South America. And to then into the American servers is about a third less. So you can imagine it will be thirty to forty percent faster to get information um, on a response time, not speed. We're not talking about the speed of the connection, but the amount of time. So when you say, "Hey Siri," the amount of time for the voice call. Oh, my Siri decided to listen to me. But it will take a much. Much less time. Obviously, the ideal thing is to have the series servers here in South Africa where there's very – it's one millisecond to a server. But essentially, a lot of these services, a lot of these massive data bases, are sitting on servers in Europe and America, and having a new cable that runs from South Africa, or it actually runs from Namibia, off to uh, South America and then onto the grid that connects South America to America, we're going to see a much faster and potentially better um, link between them. Data speed should also improve slightly. And this cable, the new um, SACS cable, is actually live. It's gone commercial as of now. And over the next couple of months, we should see prices for data coming down a little bit. They're going to come down anyway, so you'll uncapped fiber to the home, your mobile data potentially could come down a little. And in combination with spectrum, which the networks need, lower international costs, because that's the biggest cost. The cost of local data is almost just the cost of equipment but the cost of international data You've got all these massive cables running across the seabed all these ships that need to maintain those cables because despite what you think these cables do break and how do you haul a cable from a kilometer down under the sea up to the surface and then refix it and then put it back again it's quite an expensive business so the good news is that we're going to see this um The impact of this cable very shortly and hopefully it will definitely bring um, the price of data down and the internet will just seem a little bit snappier, especially if you're using anything coming from an American or South American database or American data center. So expect Google to be a little quicker, a lot of little things, Microsoft, things that we use every single day. Now, That's all good news. And again, we're going to see data prices fall. We're going to see the cost of overall data improve. And um, that's all great, great, great news for us fellows here in South Africa. Now, before we get into our next segment, I just want to give a little bit of background. We spoke about Discovery's new um, Vitality Open. We discussed last week, um, I went to a presentation of where they've i announced this for the public, but I was very fortunate to get an interview with Dr. Craig Nossel, who's the head of Vitality at Discovery, and he gave, us some, he gave me some amazing insights into what is happening around health, what is happening around behavior change, and they're doing amazing work in this space to try to understand what it is that gets people going gets them off the couch, gets them to drive better, gets them to eat better, gets them to be a little healthier, and to do the things that um, we all know we should be doing. But somehow time comes, and especially over the last couple of weeks, holiday season with all the family around and everyone eating and getting together, things tend to slip a little. So stay tuned for Tech Talk Cafe at, in a couple of minutes. And I've got a really very interesting uh, interview with Dr. Craig Nossel, and he'll just give us some insight into, number one, what they're doing, number two, how these things work. And let me tell you, it is all due to technology. Back in the day, you couldn't m- measure all these things. People did not have any formal way to understand what activities they were doing, how they were doing it. Now it's trivial. It's trivial. Everybody's got a smartwatch. Everybody's got a smart uh, band. Everyone's got uh, trackers that track everything from heart rate to blood pressure to you name it. And all of this information is being collected. I mean, the figures are mind-boggling. All this information is being collected by Discovery through their various um, clients, through their various platforms. And all of it is being crunched. And this is where the magic comes in. This data is being used to actually... Make things better and healthier for pretty much everybody, so stay tuned to that. I think we're going to see some massive things coming from uh, discovery over the next little while. I try to find out, but obviously they were quite mum about that but the the amount of of um, of stuff that is coming out or the data the insights that's coming out is just unbelievable. so stay tuned for that and before we break for our uh, uh before Tech Talk Cafe, the last thing I want to, to give us a little bit of news, and we've actually discussed this. Facebook have unveiled a brand new Oculus VR headset, and it has a huge, huge, huge change from anything they've done before. No wires. So it's a simple, very inexpensive $399 unit, which in South Africa will sell for like 5,000 rand, considering their last one was 20,000 rand. And it is... Very, It's a standalone unit, it doesn't need a cell phone, doesn't need a fancy huge computer. It's just a slick, very, very easy to use, very light and very, very decent um, headset with all the technology, high resolution that you would need. So if you're getting into a, a VR set, $399 is expensive and it does require a connection to a PC, but still the quality and what it's capable of doing looks absolutely amazing. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with Dr. Craig Nossel, who's the head of vitality uh, at Discovery Health. Hi, up with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome to Tech Talk Cafe. And with me, not in the studio, but at this fabulous, huge Discovery building is Dr. Craig Nossel, who heads up the Vitality program, which you may or may not know about, but hopefully you'll know more about it shortly hereafter, um, at Discovery. So welcome to the show, and tell us a little bit about Vitality. Give us a little bit of insight into where it came from and, and why, why it exists. So thanks for having me on the show, and importantly, thanks for coming out here to our, our
1: beautiful building. Um, so, in fact, uh, in two weeks' time would be my 20th year at Discovery. Jeez, and that's uh, quite a stretch. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, I really couldn't have asked for more amazing opportunities to be part of this incredibly innovative business and, and really with wonderful people, uh, you know, within the building. And uh, the reason I say that my first interaction was actually coming to a launch in 1998, and that's when Vitality was launched to the broker market. And um, we could just kind of see, I think, the thinking in those days was, uh, really, way ahead of its time, and how do we get people to be healthy? And, and Adrian's as as concept
0: medical aid up to then was how do we pay for your sickness?
1: Exactly. You know, there was no focus on prevention. In fact, I'm a medical doctor by training, and even in my training, you know, we didn't focus on prevention. It was all about how, fixing. You treat, yeah, how you treat diseases and what medication. So you diagnose, you medicate, um, and that sort of was the approach to medicine. Unfortunately, a lot of medicine actually hasn't shifted that much. Uh, but what's interesting is that this idea that Adrian had is how do we get people to bank their health behaviors? You know, so you go for a, a checkup, you do exercise, which has health benefits. How do you monetize that? And that really was the concept of, uh, you know, that Adrian had you know, 20 years ago and it said way ahead of its time. Uh, but what's been interesting is the journey that the business has taken over the last 20 years and how, you know, technology in particular has changed the way that we can interact with customers, and uh, there the are two examples that maybe I'll share with you, uh, the one was, you know, when we looked at how we track steps, and in two thousand and two, two thousand and three, we had a pedometer.
0: I do remember uh, you that. Do you remember the pedometer? Yeah.
1: And uh, people would clip it on their belt, uh, and you know, every couple of days, if they had to do their ten thousand steps, and it only went up to. We actually had to get one made in China that had six digits instead of five digits. So it could go up to you know 999,000 steps, and almost once a month, people would go into a pharmacy, and uh, the nurse in the pharmacy would send us an email to say this person had <laughs> and achieved they would, their they steps, would check and the, it would written down, yeah. you know. And you think now we have Apple Four, you know, being launched last week, uh, the amount of data that's coming in um, from wearables, the the, the the data that they're able to track, the things that they're able to track with wearables, is just You know, you can't even imagine that sort of shift from something like six digits to, you know, measuring heart rate, the intensity, the time, uh, the accelerometers, understanding the gradient of your exercise. So that, I think, has been a a major shift. Um, And then even, you know, on the reward side, so people used to phone us if they wanted to go to a movie at Sturkineco and we would post them tickets. Um, and now it's just everything's integrated. So well, We
0: live in an online, always connected world. And it's just so interesting yeah. how that has affected absolutely yeah. everything.
1: And so while the thinking, you know, was probably not necessarily majorly different, the, the, the technology, the partnerships um, and how we engage with that has shifted. Uh, And importantly, a big part of our business, I guess, has been around data uh, and understanding different behaviors. And then linked to that is this whole area of behavioral economics and how you incentivize people to do stuff that they should be doing anyway. And, you know, we get up in the morning, particularly in winter, and I must go exercise. And, you (laughs) you know, you kind of press the snooze button and a few times on the snooze button and we don't. Now, suddenly, you know, this concept of, uh, firstly, of over optimism. So we think, oh, we're healthy, we'll be fine. And when we choose to, to exercise, we'll get there. And we don't think anything's going to happen to us. So we don't think we're going to have a heart attack or, you know, uh, develop cancer. I suppose
0: life happens, we get busy and people sort of ignore minor issues until they suddenly until become, they become big major ones.
1: issues. You know? and, and that's the problem. So we sort of really monetize in a way or incentivize people to do stuff today. Uh, to focus on prevention, and we know in medicine that if you pick up a diabetic early on, the risk of them developing complications such as you know kidney failure, losing eyesight, even having amputations, is much less likely because you're then able to firstly get someone on medication if that's what's needed, but also changing their lifestyle. So getting them to eat a healthier diet, getting them to exercise. So that's the one area, and we've seen you know with the analysis, the data that we've looked at is. Uh, Cancers, for example, is getting people, you know, that wouldn't necessarily have gone for a mammogram or pap smear, where women are going for these tests because they want their vitality points, and as a result, they're picking a condition up in the early, early stages which then becomes treatable. So the cost for the medical system is a lot less. So in year one, it's obviously high, but then it drops down because uh, nothing, much further, better, nothing further is needed. And then post that is, uh, you know, obviously for that individual, their time of work, they're, they're able to be productive. So we're seeing, you know, a big impact. in. And the, the numbers are
0: actually showing this. This is now an Absolutely. absolute statistical fact. There's no question Absolutely. that lifestyle Absolutely. and health... So, I so, so almost on a weekly basis
1: reading different, you know, publications, different journals. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, uh, a journal called Circulation, which comes from American Heart Soci- uh, Cardiology Society, uh, showing the impact of exercise, where your chance of your risk of dying, your risk of developing heart disease, your risk of cancer, you know, just by doing, you know, two to three hours of exercise. And I say just because it's a tiny percentage of our time. You know, decreases your risk of these diseases by over 50%. So, you know, all the evidence is there. And as I said, when I was studying medicine, we had a 45-minute lecture on exercise, 45 minutes <laughs> on
0: nutrition. I was probably looking at what happens when people hurt themselves during it, it, exercise. Pretty, pretty
1: much, you know. And now, you know, the idea is that how do we get doctors to be prescribing lifestyle? Uh, and one of our initiatives uh, is with Parkrun. I mean, Parkrun, we're getting... Uh, 50,000 people on a Saturday morning running a parkrun around the country. Uh, we've just launched a partnership with uh, with, with Blue Label called MyRun, which is a Sunday version of, of Parkrun pretty much. And uh, we see those costs coming down, but in the UK where Parkrun started... They're working with GP practice for GPs to prescribe parkram park 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 park
0: park park. for their patients. So you say take two disparin and then a park Absolutely. run and off you go. You know?
1: and, and and this is a sort of shift of where we look we need to look at our environment and what are the challenges in us not being healthy. Uh, in addition to our role is using technology, using data and providing incentives that will get people to do things. And and I think you know Active Rewards has been a phenomenal success for us. We launched it uh, three years It has years been ago.
0: somewhat controversial in some aspects. I suppose it took time to so, bed down.
1: So I think, uh, you know, I, I guess with any innovation, you're going to get that you, you're changing people's behavior, you're changing people's mindset. But what's interesting is we move from being, um, you know, people... Engaging with us, you know, once a year, twice, three times a year on specific benefits. To suddenly, every week, they're in our app, and they're looking at
0: what their goal is for that week. So, in many ways, you could almost say that the the app or the rise of the app changed the interaction completely Without with your, with our, your our various whole, customers or however you model. want to call them, clients. I think yeah. is a better word. So, so, our
1: whole business model shifted. You know, it's so the whole servicing. Shifted Our call center, when we launched it soon afterwards, our call center pretty much collapsed because people were now contacting us and we maybe didn't do the hard work in sort of getting people to understand that everything's sitting on the app um, and when the goal wasn't achieved. And we now moved into a real-time environment. So I'd finish a gym visit. I look on my app. I want to it's see there. that it's there. You know, I've gone for a, a, a three-hour run. Or, uh, my heart rate's got up. Uh, I want to see that vitality sees it because I want to be recognised by that. So, we we certainly had to adjust. And and I think, uh, you know, I think where we were a few years ago to where we are now, it's just it's a, a very different space. And as I said, technology has enabled that. Um, and we see the 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 rise in people purchasing. Uh, various wearables. Uh, Has that
0: grown considerably?
1: Significantly,
0: yeah. Because all of a sudden, Fitbit have now made South Africa a tier one country. Apple are launching their brand yep. new watch next week in South Africa, yep. which is unbelievably quick globally. So, so I would I would like to think... Take some, uh, some credit for that.
1: I, so the truth is, I think that the reality, if you look at what used to happen with the virus, people would wear them and the drop-off would be very steep within two to three months.
0: Uh, and we've when been when the honeymoon war wore off
1: you know, because you know so I know how much exercise I'm doing uh, and after a period of time but when that data or that information that you're getting is not just about your health but this links into your rewards and other things that are relevant within the vitality ridiculous space
0: ridiculous what people will do for a smoothie
1: it's <laughs> uh, and, and I, I must tell you I think we were I mean we've now you know given over 5 million smoothies with coffees as well probably close to 7 million and um, we were actually, I think, blown away by the success. And, you know, people say, oh, we changed things. because of the cost. Absolutely not. It, it's been, we've seen a close to 30% shift in the amount of physical activity that people have had. So there's a
0: direct correlation between the rewards and the activity?
1: A, a, absolutely. So there is an element of as maybe a small percentage where we weren't getting all that data in because people, they say, well, I'm going for a run. It didn't really matter, you know, because I'd still get to my gold mm. status through other things. So there is more data coming in. But uh, without a doubt, that shift. And what's interesting is the model we used with the Apple Watch was more around loss aversion, so the behavioral economics of loss aversion. Mm-hmm. So we gave people the watch for free. When I say gave, they were uh, able to get it for free. If they didn't hit their goals, they needed to pay, pay us. back. And we saw and people some people hate paying back. And people hate paying <laughs> back. So what we actually saw. <laughs> I know, is, I know. <laughs> what we saw is you know some people shifting the exercise by up to 80%, so almost doubling the amount of exercise they did when you use a different kind of financial structure. It must be
0: fascinating to be able to play with, with people's behavior in such a, a fundamental way. I mean, it's all for the positive, but still, the insights and the... The things that you can get up to are pretty insane.
1: So, uh, I mean, I guess we, we wouldn't describe it as okay, play. play is the wrong <laughs> word. But, uh, I but, mean, just
0: but, watching these uh, behavioral changes.
1: Yeah. So it's so interesting, I mean, we, we do work with uh, various people in the space uh, uh, from University of Pennsylvania. They've got a Center for Health Incentives and Behavioral Economics. Uh, Dan Ariely, who's been out uh, several yes. times, and he's written a book, Predictably Rational. Um, and looking at the space, it's fascinating because we... All think that we are smart and we behave
0: <laughs> rationally.
1: Rationally, and and we see we all fall foul to basic things, you know. And, uh, and 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 that's what I've found fascinating is that, you know, something as simple as a weekly goal, you know, you think, well, everyone I need to exercise, you know, and but people don't do it. And you make that goal, and then you see you link it to friends, and you get, and then another jump in how much people are achieving that because other people are seeing what I'm and I'm, I've 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 told so my friends into into it, it. Yeah, yeah. and then something you know we always used to think you know big rewards is what gets people excited but in fact something and, and I'm not saying insignificant but a relatively small reward on a frequent basis uh, has such as a cup by, of coffee such as a cup of coffee and people if they're getting it and then don't get it the following week you know They get upset about that. And so that's, I think, what's been quite fascinating, you know, for us is how you can, you know, your messaging around these things, the type of incentives um, and making it, the programs a lot more dynamic than what it used to be. And, and we're seeing the shifts coming through. And that there. is
0: directly as a result of the technologies that are available now exactly. smartphones, yeah. communication, and, and, and wearables.
1: Yeah, you know, so you're able to deal with people on a real time basis. Uh, and where we see this going forward is using a lot of artificial intelligence so that the type of rewards that you get, the type of message you get, may be very different. So, a type to of me.
0: personalization very driven by so. data.
1: Yeah. And, and, and we're starting to in this. so part of the active rewards that we've launched now. Is saying, how do we use the success in managing chronic conditions? So, things such as diabetes, hypertension, where people aren't taking their medicine. You know, and you'd think it's something as simple, but people either they forget or they, they feel fine. I mean, hypertension is called the silent killer because people do feel fine and then they land up in trouble. So, how can we use that, this platform of the technology and the incentives in that space? Similarly, for weight loss. So, nudging people, getting them to track their weight in itself has shown to be value in, in people sort of losing weight. Uh, and then the data we get around what type of foods people are buying. So, last year, we sent a letter That's to... That's actually the, a
0: very interesting thing. It's not something that you don't think about, but you give rewards for buying certain foods at Pick and Pay, but then you know what people are buying. Exactly.
1: And, <laughs> and, and the thing is that we always use the data for what's in the best interest of the customer. And so... We sent a, a letter out last year uh, to probably about 40,000, 50,000 people where we saw the amount of sugar in their diets or what they're purchasing was incredibly high compared to the average. And it was amazing the responses. So some people got quite offended by it, but most people really appreciated that. Sure, I didn't actually realize how much sugar is in Maori biscuits. I didn't realize how much, how much two-liter Coke I'm purchasing and how much sugar is in that. So it's taking that data... Um, and understanding, you know, here's a diabetic. How do we use that to help prevent complications of diabetes, or someone that's at risk of diabetes, a so pre-diabetic? You know, if we can nudge them to buy less of X, more, more of, of y, y. Yeah. You know, uh, and that's where you know, and in a real time basis. So they're walking into a Woolworths or pick and pay, and you are facilitating a healthier basket, you're rewarding a healthier basket,
0: and, and it causes people shift- to think about what they're doing rather than behaving. Exactly. automatically
1: as and, they had in and the past. Yeah, and so that's sort of, I mean, so Daniel Kahneman, who, mm. you know, this kind of uh, slow our fast thinking, and unfortunately on fast thinking, we don't actually, we do stuff because it's in front of us, you know, and we do stuff because that's what we've always done. And uh, sometimes we need to slow people down, alternatively nudge them, so that our environment, either it's incentives or environment, shifts people into making healthier choices. And healthier choices are harder.
0: No question. Now, our time, as usual, always runs quicker than we imagine. But you've started something called Vitality Open. What is it and how do people participate? That's key.
1: So, so, so really what you've done is you've taken the success of Vitality Active Rewards and opened it up for everyone in South Africa to be part of. So download the Vitality app. So if you've got a smartphone,
0: app. you can join. You can
1: join. And earning your points, whether if you've got a gym contact, we'll get the date from there, running a park run. Using a wearable, you'll be able to link it. So whether it's a Fitbit, uh, Apple Watch, whatever you may be using. We'll Android, get that,
0: that Android gear uh, watch or a Samsung it, watch, it doesn't everything. matter.
1: Yeah. So we've, uh, I mean, a big part of our business mm. is being able to integrate with these various devices and reward people. And we've really put together amazing rewards. So people can win flights for life. They can win new iPhones for life. Uh, but obviously
0: those are pretty extreme. You have to do... Amazing things. So,
1: it's actually what we've done is we've created a a game board. So, we really gamified. I've actually seen
0: that. Suddenly, my app had all sorts of interesting additional stuff.
1: We've gamified the Vitality program to a large degree, you know, as a component of it. So, it creates engagement and the ability for people to, you know, whether you're on Vitality or not, to earn a smoothie or coffee, but then also these amazing rewards. And this is available for Vitality members as well. So, it's not that Vitality members are in any way losing out. And part of it, I think, you know, the, the, the product side is to get people a feel of what Vitality does. Um, and importantly also, I think we have a, a responsibility as well, is that how do we shift the South African environment? And we're not going to change everything, you know, but when you look at initiatives such as Parkrun, we've been a key part of the growth of that. And finding these partnerships where, you know, as many people in South Africa, same as our corporate clients, how do we help them and their employees? Because this is about the productivity and the health of our country and we have big challenges with that you know the the increase in obesity uh, and if we can engage with manufacturers to make more healthier food more opportunity for people to exercise so that's part of of that thinking. And yes, there's a business. Building our brand is important. Getting more people engaged in the program. Hopefully getting more people on the program. All those things make sense.
0: And obviously, this is, it's quite good fun and it's exciting. People can join. People can sign up now. And these are, just to clarify, these are people who are not on Discovery Health or maybe, but don't have vitality as part of their plan. Correct, yeah.
1: So anyone, anyone in the country can sign up and, and be part of it.
0: So they sign up and they start changing their activity and they win a few smoothies. Then what? What do you propose thereafter? Because you've given them a taste of of of, of fun and, and health, and then you're going to take it away. So, so there, there are two
1: there are two ways of looking. The one is hopefully they see value, and if they and want to join Vitality, and that's obviously an upside.
0: But that can only be done as a part of so a Discovery if, Health. If they're plan. on Discovery
1: Health, or if you know have a Discovery Life policy, and and absolutely, so not everybody can have access to that or choose to have that, but. Um, we believe, and we wouldn't be busy if we didn't, that there's no, a great value enough. proposition okay, there. And the others, if we can at least start to shift people some of their behavior, even to a small degree, and that creates that habit. And that's why, you know, 10 weeks we've seen starts to get people into and some. Three sort months of is that
0: magic exactly. sort of number and so, habit change. So,
1: you know, at least within 10 weeks we are close, and some people will. And, and, and you know, based on the success, we've done it with drive before, and it's almost the same because the driving is part of that. And we see where that goes. But, you know, even if we're creating the, more of these discussions, people saying, what can I do in my community uh, to set up, you know... A park run, for example. A park run, whatever it may be. And so um, I think it's important that we, we're having more time, you know, having conversations about people's health. And it's always seen as someone else's problem. The reality is that we all have a responsibility for ourselves, you know, our families, our communities. And there are little things that we can do that uh, can actually change... And it sounds idealistic, but changed the shape of South Africa, literally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> literally and figuratively. Exactly. Yeah. That's really interesting. And, and unfortunately, here we go. Our time has run out. But where do people find out more about this?
1: So the easiest is to go into the Discovery website, to discovery.co.za, Go into the App Store, download uh, the… And the
0: sign-up process is, sleek, is simple yep. and easy.
1: So, so one thing we've learned is that, you know, just don't create barriers for… The, the less barriers, the easier it is for people to access things. And so uh, I think we have created a slick, easy process, and hopefully it just… And,
0: and the one last absolute thing is, because we're talking about a 10-week program, which started last week… So there's only nine weeks left of this people should sign up as soon as possible exactly. to get the maximum benefit
1: exactly you
0: know brilliant and
1: hopefully well, that's the case yeah.
0: thank you so much thanks for your time and if I get any feedback from the various listeners I'll pass it on to you but I of think course. it's rather interesting initiative so appreciate thanks the for joining us in the opportunity Tech talk with Stephen Ambrose 11 to 12 p.m only on 101.9 by well welcome back and fascinating insight into how data, and I must say, big data and all these sensors and all this collection of data and all the analysis of data is having an insane impact on healthcare and how we approach healthcare and and the whole medical industry as a whole. I mean, there is so much going on in that space. It's worthy of <clears throat> 10 shows all by itself. But it's very interesting that Discovery are using all this data sharing all this data. Um, they talking at international conferences. And from a, an international scale, often South Africa is not seen as, as big enough to really be relevant or significant enough in, in scale to make changes globally. But Discovery, sharing the amount of data they've collected through their platform uh, on their customers across and their clients across South Africa, certainly has massive global relevance. And, uh, Dr. Nossel was explaining how they're sharing this internationally, and it's actually being implemented and used by companies across the world. So good on them. And um, if you're keen, as I say, if you're not a Vitality member, it's well worth just trying. Download the app from the App Store um, or from the Play Store. Log in. Use it. I promise you now, when you use the insurance driving app and it uses your phone, the accelerometer and all the information, the GPS and all that information in your phone to actually track how you drive, it is a huge eye-opener. It's actually very scary. Um, and certainly from a health point of view, the hints and the tips and the activity information that you will collect through the Vitality app is really, really useful. And who doesn't want to be happy, uh, healthier? Certainly, health is definitely the new wealth. There's no question that no amount of money can buy you health. So well, uh, let's not go there. But anyway, it's just a really smart interesting initiative whether in the end you'll sign up for discovery or not remains to be seen. And often I found the, you know, the vitality app tends to overreach a little, tends to average out behavior to some extent, but it's still an incredibly smart initiative in behavior change in tracking and monitoring and the old adage goes that if you don't track it and you don't monitor it and don't measure it you cannot do anything with it so give it a shot Uh, try to win a couple of smoothies they're pretty easy to get you can pick them up all over the show and um, play the games it's really great 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 fun now moving on to a completely different tech this week also or the last two weeks have shown have brought two new announcements now tomorrow the the iphone um, 10s and 10s max goes on sale in south africa along with the apple watch 4 which is exactly one week after they went on sale uh, across the globe and in america which is pretty impressive south africa's moving up in the stakes of of being on time with all the latest gadgets and gizmos but the rub on all the stuff partially helped by our wonderful performance of the rand is that the the iPhone XS starts at 21995 which is a huge amount of money to pay for a smartphone. The Mac starts at 23995 and in fact, if you want the 512 gigabyte MAX with all the bits and pieces and everything, it's going to cost you over 30,000 Rand. Now, the networks are going to be doing a lot of things to try to sort of keep it in the 1,000 Rand, 1,000 between I say I would say nine hundred and eleven hundred Rand depending on your package. So on a monthly basis it might not feel so bad. But these are hugely, hugely expensive phones. I will do a full review next week once we've had a chance to play properly. But essentially it's an S year, it's it's an upgrade on the ten on the 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 ten from last year and certainly has some amazing you know, benefits in terms of processor and screen and you name it. But it is hugely expensive. Now, for the rest of us or most of us out there, looking at a new phone either for themselves, for a spouse, for, a, you know, a child, that sort of money is just not going to fly. Those people on contracts who can afford a 1,200 or five, 3,000 rand a month, whatever it will come to, that's a different story altogether. And there certainly are enough of them out there to keep Apple happy. But as I said two new phones have hit the market which are really really good value. The first one which was announced was the new Samsung A7. Now the A7 model has been available last year but this is the latest model that's the 2018 version. And interestingly for Samsung something that they said they were going to do is they've introduced a triple camera on a non flagship phone. The current they've just launched the Galaxy Note 9 with only two cameras on the back and they brought the triple camera and the triple camera and AI tech to a mid-range phone and this is where it gets really interesting. Mid-range now is sub 10,000 Rand which is still an expensive phone but compared to the madness of the high-end phones at 20 grand plus certainly quite reasonable and what they're trying to do is offer high-end really innovative high-end tech at very moderate prices. Now the new Samsung Galaxy A7 is a full 6-inch high-quality aluminum and glass phone with all the bells and whistles you will expect from a, a modern smartphone. It's got a fast quad-core or eight-core processor. In fact, it's the, the, the big little processor, two four-core processors. Four gig of memory, which is good. 64 gig of expandable RAM for photos and whatnot. Mm-hmm standout is a triple camera on the rear a 24 megapixel rear camera main camera an 8 megapixel wide camera and what they call the 5 megapixel depth camera and the processor then takes all the stuff puts it together um, and comes out with some really interesting stuff it's got a decent selfie camera and a pretty decent battery quite a big battery so it i've played with it very briefly I haven't had time. I will spend a bit more time with it. But it certainly looks like a really, it's also got a very full screen on the front, very high quality screen. Samsung do great screens with minimal bezels and all the features you would want. It obviously runs uh, Samsung's operating system, overlaid Android 8. And it looks like a seriously good, well-specced device. Took some amazing pictures in the little time I had with it. Um, And looks like a really good, well priced entry into the mid-range. Well not to be left out in the cold, Huawei, who are launching on the sixteenth of October their new Mate 20, launched their Mate 20 Lite to the public and it will be available pretty much early next month. And I'll come back with some details on that one straight after this. FM Talk with Stephen, Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well welcome back and talking more about our new brand new mid-range smartphones, which certainly won't break the bank. And we were talking about the Huawei Mate 20 Lite. Now, the Mate 10 from last year was their flagship, was Huawei's sort of first introduction of triple camera or, or dual camera Leica technology. And then the the um, P20 and P20 Pro came out earlier this year, fully introducing AI-enabled triple camera um, and the Mate 20 Lite does not actually offer a triple camera uh, environment, but still a dual camera, high-end uh, camera on the back with a 6.3-inch full HD screen along with a really fast Kirin octa-core, also 8-core processor, very similar to the one in the Galaxy A7. It also comes with 4GB of memory of, of main memory and 64GB of RAM where you store stuff. It also... Um, has very very similar specs in terms of the cameras except it has a really good front uh, dual selfie camera which is very interesting Uh, so you can do all sorts of interesting effects on it and it comes with a slightly bigger battery than because it is physically slightly bigger than battery than the samsung now again i had a brief time to play with the mate 20 light it is certainly very attractive looking beautifully made Um, very much edge-to-edge screen with a little notch in the front, which Samsung does not do. Um, And it it certainly took some excellent pictures. Both of them took amazingly interesting pictures. A little bit, you're losing the the compromise between the very high-end cameras and these on the mid-range, is that at low light, there's a little bit of noise. Ultimately, the detail and the sharpness is not quite as good. But which one to pick becomes very, very interesting the the May 20 Lite is um a little bit more expensive than the Galaxy A7 around about 500 rand you're also getting a dedicated AI processor in the um the May 20 device which manages the cameras and certainly does give you a slightly better uh, not better uh, here's the thing when you're taking pictures of random stuff the AI optimizes the picture for that, and you can get slightly better pictures based on that. Certainly, you take pictures of food, they optimize for that. Trees, it just looks a little bit better. And although the Galaxy A7 does similar things, it's not quite as slick. So I believe that the camera on the A7 is as good as the Mate 20s, but the AI on the Mate 20 tends to make things a little bit easier and fix things a little bit better. So that's the one can't talk about battery life. I think the processor difference is a little different. The only thing I did find that the Mate 20 lights processor, every now and then especially on a game, it lagged a little. So perhaps it's not the highest power phone on the market. But there's no question that the choices um, is great. These are, they look the part, they certainly both have excellent screens, beautifully made and um, certainly bring high-end features to a price range that is much more affordable for most people. Between eight and 9,000 Rand cash and the deals I've seen that are coming from the various networks are going to put it in the three 400 Rand per month plus your your various charges for network depending on what package you want. But one thing I do recommend is that any smartphone of this league, they all run LTE, they all have high-resolution screens, you're going to need between to 1 and 2 gig of data per month every single month. So don't get into the trap of buying a really cheap package with 250 meg of data and then spending a ton of money every month on data and calls thereafter. Look at packages that give you at least 1 to 2 gig of data every month. And then if you need a little bit extra, you can top up. Now moving on to our last quick little segment of the day is two apps that have come across my... (laughs) my iPhone and uh, Android phone this week. The first one, and something that's been missing, we've had Zomato in South Africa for restaurant reviews for years. You can always find a cool restaurant on Zomato. Great little app. If you don't have it, get it. But we've not been able to, like some of the apps overseas, instantly book a restaurant online through an app, slick and easy, based on where you are. And at last, a new app has come. It's called Dine Plan, D-I-N-E Plan. And it's instant restaurant bookings um, being waved at to to wrap up. But download the DinePlan app for both Android and iOS. You can book restaurants wherever you are really easily, quickly. You don't have to make phone calls. It's just a great little app. And the last thing I want to mention, and that is the Namola app. I've been looking at what they're doing. They've just released a new version. It's super slick. It's a safety app. If you ever have a problem, you just hit the emergency button. The cops... And response will be immediate. There's a call center. It's just an absolute must in South Africa. So download Dine Plan to book your next uh, restaurant. And Namola, just give it to everybody. It's a great emergency app. Put it in your home screen and use it if there's ever a situation that you need any assistance, medical, police, you name it. It really does work. And on that note, I'm afraid our time has run out. This is Stephen Ambrose on Tech Talk right here on High FM.